Oh, welcome back to a brand new episode of Two Please. I'm your host Abhin, and I'm your co-host Rohit. We're please, two please. Please stop. <laughs> For those of you who haven't dropped off already, uh, you might have guessed broadly what we're going to be talking about today. Also, there is a, a little bit of uh, a change that you will see hopefully from this episode onwards, which is that we're going to start doing more. single movie deep dives we've done one off episodes on single movies before there was social network but uh, that's the, the idea the apartment was the other the apartment of course of course so the idea mm. is to pick a movie and dive into it discuss the themes uh, what we liked what we didn't like and just you know depth instead of width very uh, to put it in a nutshell so today what bond movie are we talking about i mean we're talking about 2006 casino royale a movie credited with re-energizing the bond franchise after the train wreck that was die another day there i have a lot to talk about uh with, with regards to this movie so i am going to shut up and let the intro play let's start the show i am big it's the pictures that got small now uh, for those of you who have been listening loyally to the podcast or might have just stumbled onto us at some point this is our second bond episode we have done a previous bond episode called the bond dossier where we kind of discuss um all of daniel craig's bond films barring no time to die uh, in like a 15 minute episode it was one of our earlier episodes and we kind of briefly touch on most of uh, the, the bond films under his tenure but we've never really dived deep into a movie like what mentioned before and this is possibly one of the the best places to start given how much rohit and i love this movie yeah and i'm just wondering people must be like you know there are other bonds beyond daniel craig right <laughs> you've already done one episode on craig's bond movies and you're like oh we'll start with casino royale again yeah no for sure because no i went back and listened to that episode to, to be sure about what we spoke about and honestly we didn't really speak about it speak about anything much i know we're like shitting on ourselves but that episode <laughs> is one of the early, earlier episodes where we kind of uh, briefly highlighted on you know what was uh, really good about those films and what is good about this movie mm. but we never really discussed um in detail as to why casino royale is so good now uh, awesome let's to, dig in yeah let's kick let's kick start things So Casino Royale released in November of 2006 was directed by Martin Campbell and written by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade who wrote I think who so far have written about seven Bond films starting from The World Is Not Enough right up to now uh, which was the last being No Time to Die they've also written the uh, the English parody that is Johnny English which is critically panned but a, a huge success you know Amazing. Like, I didn't know that I've come with like notes this episode guys I mean I I am here to uh I've been as prepped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh so anyway, getting getting back to the <laughs> I have I have come like the way uh, I attended my JE exam. I'm I'm, I'm just turned turning up guys. Like we'll see how it goes. It's fine. I will I will carry this episode for you. I will be your Sam <laughs> to your Frodo if need be. Uh, <laughs> but I think you and I have watched this movie so many times at this point. It's like almost you know it by heart. Cuz I was I was watching it yesterday in preparation yeah, for yeah. today's episode. I was I was quoting lines from the film every five minutes. Anyway, getting back to the movie, um, the movie stars Daniel Craig, Eva Green, Judi Dench, Mads Mikkelsen, Katerina Munro, Tobias Menzies as in a blink and miss role, and Jeffrey Wright as Felix Leiter. Um, nice. So yeah, this is based on the first ever James Bond novel, Casino Royale. Is Casino Royale is the first, right? Yeah. Uh, written by it is, Ian, it is. Ian Fleming. it is also i think the second novel to be completely adapted post moonraker everything else adapts has adapted parts of the ian fleming books 
but have built their own plot. But after Moonraker, this is possibly the next faithful adaptation. And mm-hmm. tells the story mm-hmm. of, of Bond's initial years in the MI6. Um, and the movie opens with him being uh, given 00 status, right? So it opens, I think also one of the first Bond films to have a black and white uh, pre-credit scene where Bond is, he kind of confronts this guy that's been selling secrets to the enemy. And uh, that scene is... But because, isn't that after the parkour scene? No, yeah. no, no. It, it opens with this guy going into his um, uh, office and then there's Bond sitting there and he tells him that uh, we, we know what you've been up to and that's interspersed with the bathroom fight scene, which at the time I remember being, there was, there was a lot of buzz about it and since then there have been several big bathroom fight sequences that have come out more recently being Mission Impossible 6. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of thing. And uh, but like this whole um, uh, pre-credit sequence kind of establishes what kind of bond we're in for because this is coming what three years after Die Another Day, maybe four years then. Two thousand two and two thousand yeah, yeah. Uh, which was a dumpster fire of epic proportions. Um, and within the first ten minutes of this movie, uh, Die Another Day's two biggest flaws are addressed. One where Bond is no longer a caricature of what uh, Mm. the way he was depicted into it. And we have a Bond song that dispels, rather kicks um, Madonna's Die Another Day (laughs) into the stratosphere because... Best Bond song, hands down. I don't think there's even a discussion. Sorry, Adele, but it's not enough for discussion. I fully agree. Uh, Like I I have a note here (laughs) that says, bring in the Chris Cornell banger. I remember watching this in the movie theater for the first time and also it's very jarring because um, this is like a a title sequence with, with playing cards in them. And when was the last time you saw a Bond sequence yeah. with anything except like silhouettes of naked women? So it was like, okay, we're going True. this direction. Weird Windows Media Player effects of 2006. But uh, it, it, it's effective. I think it really sets the tone for the film going in. And uh, what a song. I have thoughts. I, when, when it, I have a whole, I see a larger plan at work with the entire approach to Casino Royale into which the song also fits but I'll, I'll get to that when I speak but continue no okay no I mean if you want to just like talk about it now no no as in okay so the way I see Casino Royale the the point in time in which this movie came out like you said right it was mm. after, four years after Die Another Day where mm. you could see Bond had sort of hit a wall yeah. and I I don't I feel calling that depiction of Bond by Pierce Brosnan a caricature although not untrue is a little uncharitable in the sense that I don't think the intention of the filmmakers was to uh, bring so much levity to the character that it ended up becoming funny I don't Mm. think that 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 was ever their intention Uh, I think the Bond character over the years I would say somewhere between the world is not enough and uh Die another day, or rather post GoldenEye. Hmm. It just feels like they got caught up in making the Bond character really cool and slick, you know, where hmm. nothing sticks to him, nothing affects him. And uh, uh, another recent good example that comes to mind is the John David Washington's character in Tenet as hmm. the protagonist, where because in the process of making that character cool, enigmatic, and slick, you end up losing the character's dimensionality and they become two dimensional and therefore Mm. then you as a viewer are, you find it very difficult to relate to them because I mean, what is a character without motivations, right? If you see, especially Die Another Day, more so than any other film, you see Bond behaving purely in service of moving the plot forward. Mm -hmm. His own motivations don't impact the way the story moves forward in any way. Yeah. 
so that is one thing that they wanted to i think they realized that hey we've kind of lost the human side of bond and we need somebody who may not necessarily be cool air quotes cool or slick but we need somebody who can emote and bring out the humanity of bond hmm. which is probably why they went with craig and bravo to them for taking that call also the way i feel the song ties into it is if you look at all of the other songs bond themes they have this jazzy sort of swing you know ballroom kind of feel where things go smoothly and it it is in line with the mood of the character of bond as we had come to know uh, until casino royale mm. where you know things happen to him easily he always finds a way out and uh, for the most part i mean with the exception of maybe on her majesty secret service and the timothy dalton movies where mm. again we got to see a bit more of the humanity of bond that's how bond has primarily been depicted in 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 the movies and uh, even the theme song goes in that you know it goes with that mode chris cornell's theme is entirely different it is very much like daniel craig it is loud it is in your face hmm. it is not you know it's not elegant it's not classy in that sense but it's a fucking banger and yeah. that's exactly what daniel craig's bond is that's exactly what casino royale is and that's exactly what bond in the movie is he's not a smooth operator he fucks up he's not somebody who is above a situation he gets involved at an emotional level he gets involved at at a at a human level his own motivations alter the plot in meaningful enough ways hmm. uh, and therefore he's not just a what, what do you say he's he's not just a cog in the you know the machine of the plot the plot machine yeah. he is an important uh, how do i put it he shapes the plot in big ways and uh, i mean that is these are the large themes for as to why i am sure you and i both love bond and why uh, both love casino royale and why it was a refreshing change of pace for everything that had come thus far and i know for a fact that daniel craig is a lot of people's favorite bond i don't know whether they realize it or not this is my hypothesis it's because he has successfully been able to bring out this human side to bond um uh, as we go down the episode i'm going to like highlight the some of the things that daniel craig does to really highlight bonds humanity um in the mm. in the movie there are certain scenes there are certain like um beats where he you know he it's not he, he plays it almost perfectly and the funny thing right is before like they cast him uh, and the, the the two it ultimately came down to they offered the movie to pierce brosnan and he st- and he and his agent came back and said we want 30 million plus royalties um for you know and only then will will we sign on and the broccoli studios were like nah like no i mean we love you and all but um we'll probably go down a cheaper more um newer route which is why they ultimately ended up casting a bunch of people for those of you who don't know i think for a brief like a hot minute rithik roshan was being considered as uh, as the successor because he was a big commodity in 2006 and even though that would never like really happen Fantastic. his name was being yeah <laughs> his, his name was being floated around but the two front runners that ultimately came down to was uh, Daniel Craig and uh, a 22 year old Henry Cavill and Cavill was dismissed as being too young cuz he was 22 right and so they went with um they, they went with a 36 36 37 year old Daniel Craig and that's probably the best decision they made because this he, he really embodies that uh that brute with um with with like who's hiding this really sensitive uh interior and it begins right like let's let's get into the movie it it begins with um the uh, uh, before we uh, mm-hmm. get into the movie i just mm-hmm. wanted to also address the henry cavill bit while henry cavill looks i mean you and i have both professed our love for henry cavill sufficiently over the yeah, yeah. episodes mm-hmm. um and uh, i mean no no doubts there it's just i feel if i were to look at henry cavill in the man from uncle as as an expression of what he probably would have been as bond again mm. that probably that works more for later era bond when he's sort of learned the tricks of the trade and he knows yeah. what he's about and you know he he is that smooth operator hmm 
that henry cavill energy in a casino royale where we have bond finding his feet uh, probably would not have worked so again when even when it came down to the two i'm i'm glad they went with daniel craig because yes craig can be suave when needed but he can mm. be unsophisticated a lot more convincingly than a henry cavill is what i feel so mm. i guess i mean all about that that's a point that's that i it. think okay, i mean it's a great casting what if like you're just like hmm what if henry cavill was born like what what how would career trajectories have changed um because he did i mean i think he, i personally really like him as superman i think he does a great job embodying this guy who's trying to fit in and i, I he see has an earnestness which really yeah, works yes, yeah with superman yeah and i think um, there's something that's that's quite cutting when it comes to daniel craig and even know that if that makes sense but there's that yeah i know what you're uh, saying he's like an uncut dime like you know the uncut gem type yeah no exactly. no safty brothers reference here but yeah but uh, okay now we should stop i mean we keep professing our love for daniel craig as born in this movie but let's get into the plot now this movie opens the, with this yes uh, with this big parkour sequence in madagascar and they got a real life um pako rana called sebastian fukan uh who plays the bomber the uh, that uh, this organization also best bond opening sequence hands down like i i i've watched that sequence um a several number of times because i've seen kishnara nearly every year since its release and um it gets a little tiresome i think it could be about 5 minutes shorter it is I long guess, yeah it i think long, it's yeah. it's really there to establish that okay bonds Bond's not fucking around. Bond's here to beat shit up. He's no. And honestly, have you ever seen Bond this physical? No. Like again, it it's you realize every uh, how do I say every opportunity that the movie has to establish Daniel Craig as the new Bond and to kind of introduce us to the world of this person's new Bond. Hmm. They use every opportunity available to reinforce the message. Like, hey. This is not that slick bond anymore. This guy is down and dirty. You know, he he gets into the trenches. This scene again is in service of uh, landing that message. I felt so. I mean, and again, fucking knocked it out of the park. That that scene. Yeah, it it uh, opens with that. Is it a snake fight? Like a com- like competitive snake fighting is ha- is happening, and uh, a bond and another agent are there. Competitive this- snake fighting. I have no <laughs> idea. What does one call it? Is it just like? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, ultimate snake fighting competition USFC afternoon USFC I, I don't have no idea anyway <laughs> so there's this elaborate uh, sequence where they end up in the in this embassy that he ends up shooting uh, blowing up in, in in order to get the the bomber and this is the one thing you notice when he when bond loses patience he acts recklessly and this is a repeated pattern in yeah. the film uh he loses patience at the embassy yeah. and he ultimately ends up shooting the the bomber and then blowing up the embassy to escape he gets away with his phone i think and it has the word ellipsis on yeah. there and this is where you're introduced to the film's antagonist uh, one of my favorite actors working today in mads mickelson i hadn't seen him in anything at that time i think he was like fairly new to to hollywood uh, around that time as well that was his i think exposure to the world that's when he really catapulted into global attention um after javier bardem's uh, I, i forget after him i think probably raul silva one, raul silva like one of the most iconic bond villains uh, to have come out of the franchise in some time and he's not like a meaning like like yeah. like a brute like bond he's just this really calculated conniving dude basically moving money around as a matter of fact the film opens with him right the film opens with mr white introducing him to this ugandan dictator uh and he and he uh presents his, his proposal to him about how he can double his money or if he if he invests in invest with him and what he ends up doing is he ends up uh gambling their money away yeah, he's, he's basically like a like a an amoral jp morgan fund manager no probably for all you know he's like he's got like a lehman brothers day job <laughs> yeah he, this is a side hustle Yeah, side hustle is like um, creating, like financing terrorist organizations, and then ensuring that uh, the money he puts into like competing stocks uh, skyrocket. So uh, I really want someone to do like a deep dive on the economics of bond villains. 
<laughs> you know like yeah how, their plots if you if you spend more than 2 minutes on the economics of the plots i'm like bro this does not make any sense but okay i'll suspend <laughs> my disbelief so yeah but uh, coming back to to this so after blowing up the embassy uh, bond uh, traces a message that the bomber has on his phone to a place in the bahamas uh, which is Uh, the ocean club and now the ocean club makes a reappearance uh after it first showed up in thunderball so it's gotten quite the the film history and bond goes in business for so long wow. <laughs> yeah and uh, one of those heritage sites right like and i assume business must still be booming given its its popularity and there he tracks this dude called alex dimitrios down um who he suspects is funding this whole operation and uh, he ends up meeting him um in uh, in a game of poker and also this is the first time he runs into uh, the first bond girl in this film solange played by katrina munro uh and on that table so now this is so before I, before i watched this movie um last yesterday and, and compared to the last time i watched it i had like zero knowledge on poker since then i have like taken a vested interest in learning about poker in the several hands and uh, so i kept pausing i have no <laughs> idea how many people got into poker because of this movie <laughs> i kept pausing the the movie to see what hands um you know like each of them are playing and when dimitrios and and bond meet in, in meet at a on a poker table uh in the club a uh, bond kind of goads him into betting more um, uh, more and more and kind of makes him lose his, his head a little bit and dimitrios the idiot uh, bets a three kings hand and throws his like goes all in throws his card in his 1964 aston martin in there as well that's another uh, nod to the bond films of old and yeah mm-hmm. and then bond flips his cards and he has trip aces so <laughs> i have a note that says dimitrios bets a three kings hand against trip aces idiot he he leaves in a huff to go see the chief about the the bomb maker being killed and uh this is the time where bond takes the advantage and seduces his wife and, and after this uh he figures out that dimitrios is off to miami uh, to go pay off another bomb maker he tracks him there kills him in this art gallery situation and follows this uh this bomb dude to the airport and that's when they realize that uh there's a prototype of a com- of airplane of a company called Skyfleet that's being launched and um this guy is going there to blow up uh that prototype as a result causing the Skyfleet stock to to plummet and meanwhile the chief has shorted um about 100 million dollars uh, in, in in shares against uh, uh against he was essentially rakesh junjunwala with a gun dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, once again another elaborate um uh, action sequence takes place and bond somehow gets the upper hand he, he kind of puts the, the the bomb like the mini bomb on this dude's um belt buckles or something along those lines and he black guy blows himself up in front of everyone and then bond is recalled to the bahamas where they discover that solange has been tortured and killed because the chief suspects that somebody spoke uh and then he stole through through judy dench's m that they're hosting a high stakes poker game in montenegro at casino royal and bond is being sent undercover to uh take part in the game considering he's supposed to be one of mi6's best best poker players and also now lashif journey... is pushed into participating in the game because he's lost at 100 million so it's not yeah. like you know he's just doing it for fun there's a very clear motivation that's driving him to now you have to recoup those losses cuz that ugandan dictator is sitting there saying motherfucker i gave you that money not to you know lose it because yeah. of some other guys shenanigans exactly and uh... so bond off he goes to montenegro and while he's on the train he's introduced to the accountant now um to me personally as good as james bond as dan craig is in this film and he really is absolutely phenomenal the heart of this film and generally the heart of dan craig dan craig's bond films uh is evergreen's west berlin 
because she is the, the I don't don't think there ever has been a set of Bond films that have carried the Vesper connection throughout. I think the only other movie to have done this was a Roger Moore film that paid tribute to Tracy. Uh, what's her name? I uh, the Diana Riggs character from On Her Majesty's yeah, Secret yeah. Service. They married, right? In On yeah. Her Majesty's Secret yeah, yeah. Service, and she dies. She dies. She dies. At the end she of has it. a lingering presence in subsequent movies, which is the only other recurring character, so to speak, in the Bond verse, apart from Vesper. I think she's only there in the. She's there in two films, and like they, where Bond is ends up visiting her grave. Um, and correct, the correct. opening bit Otherwise of the spy. Otherwise, it's just like, hey, mm-hmm. new movie, new girl. Exactly, is not the case. So Vesper and Bond kind of trade barbs back and forth. They try to guess who the um, like what background each person comes from, and Vesper kind of gets the upper hand on him a little bit, where he, she she figures out that he's an orphan. That repost is 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 kind of um, quite entertaining. Only ruined by uh, one of the few moments of product placement in this movie, where uh, Vesper asks him what watch he's wearing, and he's and she asks if it's a Rolex, and he says Omega, and I think she says beautiful or something along those lines. And I was like, okay, guys, it will have to be so on the nose. And I I'm okay not knowing. Just say, yeah, I, how? Why do you care or whatever? Like. Oh, cool. Anyway, no. I mean, it's such a small grouse to have, but yeah. So yeah, it does. It does stick out. But the funny thing is, apparently, for this movie, they really dialed back on the product placement, given Die Another Day's um, excess <laughs> product placement. It was because Die Another Day was. I think Die Another Day stopped short of uh, James Bond just breaking the fourth wall. Hey, why don't you visit Burger King for? <laughs> <laughs> really, really bad. and but this movie also has a fair share of product placement um i think sony uh, got the rights from mgm or because for this movie yeah the, so there's a bit of product placement when he is in bahamas also they show the sony yeah. ericsson him putting maps on the for car and there is like, bro, nobody uses sony ericsson <laughs> sony Don't do this. but it's 2006 sony ericsson uh, <laughs> sony ericsson sony ericsson was sony ericsson mm. <laughs> so, tried in slip tried in slip Sony Ericsson's were everywhere at the time, right? Um, and so were Vio computers, and, and it's like it's all over the place. Now um, they end up in they they end up in in Montenegro, and they're given aliases. I think Bond is called uh, Beach, and uh, Vesper Lind is called Stephanie Broadchest, which are which are like it's a homage <laughs> to. <laughs> All those past Bond girl names. Yeah, it's basically, like they gave a, her a Bond girl name without giving her a Bond girl name. Yeah, it's like it's a homage to all the Ian Fleming um, <laughs> pseudonyms. Stephanie Broadchest is just oh man, masterclass. Uh, and even the look that she gives when he's like, "You're, you're Stephanie Broadchest," she's just like, "Oh." <laughs> But then he walks in. to the um, to, to the lobby and just dispels of the uh, of the fake names there's james oh, bond basically yeah. yeah he's like let's do this and they meet mathis rene mathis who i i quite like in this movie uh and he's yeah. going to be their their point of contact there as they are prepping for for, for the night's events right there they have this exchange where they're both getting ready and i think we spoke about this in the uh, in in the first bond episode where she gets him a tailored suit um, yeah and so i sized you up the moment we met yes i yeah not not before saying uh, i am here to keep uh, an eye on our government's money and off your perfectly formed ass what a line this movie yeah. has some really really nice lines cuz she and she follows that up with Uh, he follow he follows that up with uh, you noticed and she comes back noticed, even even accountants have imagination yes um <laughs> oh these these two have like yeah guys we watched uh, mm. we watched this movie a lot and yeah and, uh, i have no problems admitting i really like it's a really good movie so it's, it's no problem having if you've yeah. watched this a bunch of times now um yeah. they again they have so this like bond keeps getting caught off guard by by vesper because he feels like she's always one one maybe two steps ahead of him and uh, ultimately they end up in the um, uh, 
uh, in the room where the tournament is being held. Now, here's a fun bit of trivia. So, the card dealer for the uh, for the game is played by a dude called Andreas Daniel. And uh, they called up a casino, like the producers called up a casino or the casting director would call up a casino and asked if they if they had any uh, card dealers in the in the venue and this guy he picked up the phone and was like i'm a card dealer you found me like hire me instead and so they flew him out he went shot his scenes didn't tell anybody about it and with the money he got from the role he bought himself a car so it was just right place right time for the guy um, wow nice so like that that's it's kind of it's one of those nice little stories to have come out of the of the movie now um let's let's get back to the main story at at hand right so obviously once you know they settled in at montenegro they they uh, you know settled into their nice luxurious rooms their awesome looking tuxes uh they go down to uh do what they were there for which is play the game of poker and mm-hmm. again here uh i really like the fact that uh, you know lashif also has been given some dimensionality which uh same theme right taking uh off of what earlier bond villains had which were bond villains traditionally have been these you know mustache twirling hmm. ah i want to destroy the world for whatever some abstract reason which you as a viewer would not sympathize with the bond villain is alluring because of the outlandishness of their method of uh doing what they want to do but their the the ends that they uh are angling towards always seem very abstract and unrelatable in this case like i said i mean all said and done the terror shit apart uh, he is a money manager he is there to make money off of people's convictions i'm sure him as a person doesn't really believe in the cause of ugandan rebellion that that guy is espousing hmm. like yeah whatever dude you do what you want with this thing i am going to flip your money i'm going to get my cut so yeah. you know one he's a very it's it's a twisted motive but it's a relatable one you you have people like this like if you have in a world where you have a real life jordan belfort it's not that much of a stretch of imagination to think there could be someone like a lashif uh also they also give him a, a bit more of a human side he's just not a you know a guy who's evil for evil sake there yeah. is a scene where uh the ugandan guys his he he comes with his uh, rolls up with his crew and uh uh he threatens to cut off lashif's girlfriend's hand mm. and there you see a moment of vulnerability for a bond villain which i think is very rare in in a bond movie right up until when bond miraculously overcomes all odds and defeats the villain the villain always is very you know he's never un- uh, he's never rattled or unsettled you see this guy is he shook mm-hmm. yeah he is they they've always been untouchable but here you see this guy is is shook he's threatened and you know he's completely off his game and you see that when he comes back to the uh, poker table as well he's obviously not able to focus because this very mind fucking event has happened just like minutes ago so again there they've brought a side of humanity to rashif which it it in every aspect of the movie even in the case of vespalin like you said she's the heart of the film mm. bond girls traditionally have served as exposition vehicles and eye candy and it comes to the yeah. bond movie right they are there for you to look at and they'll they'll explain shit they'll move the plot along very rarely i mean once in maybe 10 movies you have a bond girl like a diana rick's character where they add heart to the film mm. i mean by and large bond movies don't have much heart it's not what movies are about but they exactly. managed to bring that out mm. here also what a gamble to take on eva green because you i'm sure at that point they had some inkling that this character will echo down in through the entire daniel craig oeuvre of, uh, of bond movies so hmm. you know we need somebody who should be able to pull off this role convincingly and endearingly enough that the audience is along with us uh in in remembering westerland across what four or five movies mm. so to take that gamble on evergreen it paid off brilliantly because that is a character that stays with you for far longer than the film uh, anyway coming back to the point mm. the same trend continues with lashif you see a very human villain that's not to say you empathize with what he's doing that is maniacal mm. but you are like hey this character intrigues me yeah i i am interested to know what will happen to him hmm. which is not the case with all or many bond villains 
so coming back see so the poker game starts and there's one day of play and then there's uh between the two night days there's, there's a night where i think mathis and bond on the balcony have a discussion where they have uh, uh again the events of the mo- movie are a little foggy to me hmm. but i remember you know there is some intrigue that that takes place between the two nights yeah because uh, uh, if, if you have the, the specific I details think, please yeah. please help me out here a bit the, because on on the first night the ugandan dictator um shows up and then like you mentioned that scene happens right and uh, then they come out and they and it just so happens that daniel craig who is like bond is is um is like is following this guy and uh, then a, a big fight sequence unfolds in in the stairwell oh and, yeah the stairwell yeah, sequence yeah right. and uh, where uh, vesper kind of shoots off a gun and they go back uh, and, and you know and and and, she, and he kind of takes her back to the room and then he goes back down to play uh, he, and then when he comes back he finds her sitting in the shower now apparently the this is one of the scenes that was rewritten because um uh, you're supposed to come back and find her sitting in her underwear in the shower and uh, Daniel Craig interjected and said that makes no sense because she she's in complete shock she's just gone into um she just wants to like cleanse herself of the moment uh there's this is like kind of like um um like a lady macbeth re- reference there as well because as she's sitting in the shower and she's like i can't seem to wash the blood off my hands and mm. where bond sits with her and then like he kind of like licks her hand and says is does that better is do you in in a bit to comfort her and they just sit in the, sit underneath the shower which is a nice a really nice quiet moment for a bond film you don't really see <laughs> i have never movie. seen such a scene in a bond movie where yeah. you know james bond is vulnerable james bond is empathetic you see the bond girl in this low moment mm. and you know they kind of help he, he helps her out he actually gives a shit about another person that itself yeah. is a reach for a lot of bond uh, in bond in a lot of movies so that scene just blows my mind away that for me is the emotional crux of the film it was it it, it really solidifies their relationship i mean they're like you're you're not exactly sure if these two are going to end up together but there's this discomfort and this care there uh yes and i feel that's the scene where you as the audience are like okay you know what you want to hmm. talk about this person for the next five movies i'm on board yeah because she's interesting she's i empathize with her i like her i i want good things to happen to both of them there's something so magnetic about evergreen in this movie she's just you're, you're like she's haunting um and yeah she yeah. she's she ha- and i will get to it a little later on as to you know um what, what her impact is but whenever she's on screen you can't help but you know draw your eyes to her and even they make the kind of refer to it also i would say movie. wardrobe and uh, makeup major props to them i mean she's naturally beautiful mm. i mean there's no disputing that mm. they've just used that and represented that in a way where you know beauty apart it there's a lastingness to her presence in the film yeah. which i can't really explain it's ephemeral in a way exactly i don't we couldn't have put it better myself um and then day 2 happens and on day 2 there is i have to talk about the poker hand because <laughs> this is the hand that bond misleads <laughs> and loses it all basically cleans him out and bond goes to yeah. vesper and tells him that she is going to need um to rebuy in and uh, vesper tells him to fuck off because <laughs> she's like you're an idiot and again bond again you see bond losing his cool and he like picks up um a kitchen knife or like a steak knife and tries to uh, chase the chief and to kill him on the spot when felix lighter yeah, I mean, also what was his plan dude that guy was like surrounded by six people like what is your plan dude like if you keep it's like a recurring theme whenever he things don't go his way he like resorts to to brute force which is again i quite like cuz he gets he's very emotional and that's what this movie is trying to highlight that this is this is born before the suaveness before the uh the two step of a crocodiles before uh the quippy one liners uh <laughs> crocodile yeah <laughs> don't remind me of it i like that movie i don't know why people have uh, issues with it uh, but it's it's quite entertaining uh anyway uh 
and then he he's stopped by by Felix Leiter who makes an appearance in this film uh and Felix Leiter tells him I am surely suck at this game um I will finance bleeding chips um, yeah that's what he says yeah and he's like we I'll finance you trust americans to give credit lines to idiots um uh, so yeah. <laughs> I'll, i'll i'll stake you and the only thing is that when we get him the cia brings him in it's like yeah okay cool do your thing and, and then he comes back in and this is that uh, this is the, another a uh, high tense sequence and she was right where he is poisoned uh he get, yeah. they they put lidocaine in his in his drink and which causes him to go into cardiac arrest and because of the the chip that's in his hand mi6 is able to track what's what what poison is and as he's about to um resuscitate himself like after using uh, the antidote he realizes that the defibrillator that he has is unplugged and it was a really high tense sequence in the film because you've never seen bond like it is you've never seen bond like on the brink of death to that extent usually you're like yeah there's not a hair out of place here he's sweating like he's drinking uh, salt and water to make himself throw up like like a whole he's like he's in survival mode and i was it was very alien yeah. to me uh and i'm i'm i know like he's the tactics of him he won't die but like oh was, <laughs> yeah no even that yeah. i remember during that scene i'm like hey it's bond he's not going to die uh <laughs> he's not going to die uh <laughs> He's not gonna die unless, unless. Oh, uh, what's happening? <laughs> Please, <laughs> like when you figure out that uh, you know that the defibrillator is disconnected, you're like, the oh, lead oh, is damn. out. Yeah, yeah, there. And then in comes Vesper, and she jump starts his heart, and he goes back into the game. And uh, you've changed your shirt, Mister Bond. That last oh, hand that nearly hand. killed me. Killed me. <laughs> I, uh, uh but then he shows he comes back up and um lashif thinks he's like he has the house i think they bet about 40 million he goes all in and bond shows up with a with a straight flush and kicks him in the face and this is uh, and i was like oh monsieur bond wins as the card dealer says yeah it's uh, straight flush the high hand monsieur wins. bond wins wins <laughs> He has a boss in the way he says it's funny to me. Like fuck you, Nasheed. <laughs> so everyone said in a very celebratory mood and there's this is again and they're having dinner and he uh, Vesper has been wearing this necklace throughout the film, right? Uh and he's like he's like I bonds like I finally figured out what that is. It's an Algerian love knot love knot necklace. Uh <laughs> the note I've made for this is uh, referencing an 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 older scene in the film where he says she's not his type and she asks uh, religious and he's like no single uh then she says smart and he says single. no no single or i don't know maybe smart yeah possibly yeah. Yeah. Uh, she says you're not my type smart single <laughs> uh and uh, yeah. he he tells and now suddenly she's his type right because he finds out that it's imagine love you realize i mean that the point that you've made just uh, made me realize across the movie the quips start reducing and they just start having more normal open honest regular conversation where you know they sort of bear a little bit of themselves to each other so you see those walls breaking down mm. you you don't have these they're not using humor as a way to you know put walls around themselves or as a defense mechanism they they you can see them being more open with each other across the movie obviously down the line you'll get to that where they actually start you know they are together in, in that sense but mm-hmm. even up until then you see that progression happen across the course of the movie i mean you bringing that up really uh, reminded me he, he's he's joking at her expense and just out of the way and now he's like he follows up the algernon love not line if i remember saying he's a very lucky man so you know yeah. he's he's genuinely being nice complimentary and you know he's not being a smart ass also this this scene has one of the smoothest lines in the movies where uh, bond has been making a drink that everyone it seems to find really nice throughout the film and he hasn't given it a name yet yeah and uh, he says i think i'm going to call it a vesper and i think she says uh, because of the bitter aftertaste and he says no because once you've tasted it that's all you want to drink <laughs> oh that was quite a good line it was a very good line yeah and i'm like bro hmm. uh where do you come up with these lines dude like <laughs> Like I'm surprised she just like didn't 
jump him there. And I was like, wow, dude. Because if that were me, <laughs> like I, I, with me, with my extreme low self-esteem, if somebody said that to me, oh, instant, I'm like taking off every layer of clothes. I don't really need that much, dude. I just need Bond to come out of the water in those, you know, that blue boxers there only. I'm like, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, even that was a bit of an accident yeah, because... Uh, he was supposed to be this floating head, but he hit a sandbank, which caused him to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Happy accidents. Yeah. In, uh, in ways more than one, but anyways. Anyway, b- back to the scene. Uh, <laughs> he, um, I think, she, she says he's going to go see Mathis and then Bond suspects something and he runs after her and then he's kidnapped. Uh, uh, she's kidnapped and then he chases after her. And like, as he's ripping down the Montenegro countryside, he finds her on the, like, she's been tied up on the road and he swerves and the beautiful Aston Martin DB5 uh, rolls like like a bunch of times and then crashes. Apparently, they they broke three Aston Martins worth 300k for that flip scene. Wow. Hard bleeds. Hard bleeds. Yeah. yeah. And then... (laughs) And then Lashif pulls him out and says, your friend Mathis is my friend Mathis. And thus begins the carpet beater sequence. Uh, I, so I watched this in an Indian movie theater, right? It is cut to bits. Like you have no bloody clue what's happening. Uh, <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. I, I um, watched like Torrent was, I saw a full cock and ball torture, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what a cop carpet beater was before I watched this movie. Uh, I remember there being a bit of controversy surrounding it when it first released. Um, mm. and even though Die in the Day also has like a torture sequence that's kind of like phased over with this purple filter, um, I think where he's getting, by the North Koreans, right? He's getting tortured with scorpions and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is obviously far more. I visceral. mean, you know what, again, this, this mm. is a lot more, again, I'm maybe TMI, but it's a lot more relatable, right? Cause I've never had my nails pulled out. I've never been. Mm. Uh, you know, have have had scorpions set loose upon my body, mm. or are never been electrocuted either. Mm. But we've all been hit in our balls at some point, <laughs> at so we know point, how yeah. that feels. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, again, it's relatable when you see the sheep. Also, I mean, I have to uh, comment on. I have to give props to the uh, sheep's form. His whipping mm. form is perfect. Dude. Oh. It's like full force, fucked it, <laughs> and like. Every guy knows how that feels. They're just like, yeah, no, you're all sitting in the, in the ottoman ball, and <laughs> and you're wincing. And yeah. and through the, through this time, like like through the pain, he's clearly in a lot of pain. Bond is just goading him, saying, "You, everyone, the whole world's gonna know you died scratching my balls." And <laughs> and then suddenly, um, just as I think he's about to yield because they're using Vesper as uh, a bargaining tool, who's in the next room. Mr. White, who's first seen at the beginning of this movie, pops in and uh, he shoots the sheaf in the head saying, "It's money is not as important as knowing who to trust. So a bit out of the blue. And then you have Bond recovering in Switzerland and he wakes up to uh, a Vespa Lind over him. And she's clearly like, they're both really into each other. And uh, I think at the same time, Mathis is also taken away because he's now being question for his role in all of this and another great line in this film where Bond basically tells Vesper that he's ready to give it up all for her Uh, and she says "Uh, I know you you've got your armor back on and he says I have no more armor left Uh, you've stripped it off me whatever is left of me whatever I am I'm yours Uh, which is a line I may or may not have used in the past but uh, it is (laughs) I think mm, mm. maybe even I, I may have. Yeah, yeah, it's good. We, line. Yeah, it's a good line. Us. Yeah, we can't blame. Her. Yeah, dude, I, I'll take all the help I can get. I went to a boys' school. I won't talk <laughs> <of> shit. <laughs> <laughs> but again, no, the chemistry. And off while, the while delivering the line, you're like, please not have watched Casino Royale. Please uh, do not have watched it? Casino Royale. <laughs> Please have watched Casino Royale and be like, oh, I, I like your teeth. And loved it. And loved it. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, who knows? Yeah. It swings, swings and runs about runabouts. And now uh, this is all a really great yeah. time and you're, you're really happy for these two and uh, they're the, frolicking. The brief interlude of happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, end the film now. Roll credits. Like, I'm happy. Let Bond go into the sunset. But that's clearly not the case <laughs> because there are a good 25 minutes of this movie to go. 
they end up in Italy and in Italy um Vesper notes a familiar face yeah. in Venice yeah and uh, she notices a familiar face and she tells bond that she's going to withdraw the money from the bank to transfer it to the government and uh, then they figure out that oh it's not happened yet and like that you know this the something up something's up so bond follows her through the streets and she meets this guy and thus she realizes that she's been that she's betrayed him uh and also that uh, in that moment there's the whole call where juridens calls him up if, if i remember correctly and she's like mm. the money hasn't hit us what are you guys yeah. up to mm. there's a flip that happens in bond suddenly all of that all of those walls that had come down whatever all of the armor that had been stripped away you can see that hurt that betrayal and that weariness suddenly come right back up is is just like you know it's suddenly from enjoyment to all business mode in a second yeah. again that that split second of acting is fucking amazing that dan craig does and also given what it follows because it follows a sequence where uh, he notices that she's not been wearing the love knot anymore uh, yeah. and he says and he's like it's time to um, he's like is and and she and she mentioned something along the lines of um it's time to let go of the past and you know um like it's literally the apex of hmm. their their happy life and yeah. suddenly that sine wave like crashes down to hmm. the worst possible Just, assumption that bond can make about her and this is the only point one of the few points in the film where there's a quip uh where i think the uh, adolf gettels or something is his name he's a character from the book uh and he uh he says i'll kill her and bond says allow me and then allow me yeah <laughs> and then like this huge uh, action sequence takes place and uh the house that in the big palazzo kind of thing that they're in starts sinking and mm. um vesper shots herself or rather they, they, the guy shots her in an ele- in, in an elevator and he uh, and as bond goes to rescue her vesper takes the key off and throws it and the elevator plummels into the um, uh, into the water so uh, bond kills that guy there's a whole nail gun fight that i've only just noticed he shoots him with a nail gun in the eye and no quip yeah. i was i was very It's very surprised guess. yeah i was very surprised there was no quip nailed it or something that's what like the older bonds would have said so a sign that bond is not there just yet yeah and um i'm thinking of other nail quips but anyway dead as a door yeah <laughs> i'm glad they didn't go down that route yeah, yeah i'm glad too quips. because it would have really cut the tension because like at this point bond is yeah. serious and he um and, and like there's again there's a really nice scene where he's like trying to pull the the shutters of the elevator out and he's struggling underneath the water and vesper just holds his hands and she kisses his hands uh and then pushes away from it's such him. a complex scene i mean there's yeah. so much unsaid in that scene because you know for vesper to take the key out and hmm. throw it obviously there is a lot of self loathing self hatred driving that decision because of what she's done right she's betrayed hmm. bond and i think by that point in the movie it's not for show she genuinely does have feelings for bond i don't know if yeah. it's something as grand as love but she definitely has feelings for him and hmm. for her to have to betray him obviously she hates herself for doing that and she would rather die than survive the situation and face bond after having done what she's done so you know she sees what she's done is so bad i would rather die than face the consequences of it i don't want to look james bond in the eye and tell him yes i i betrayed you and even in his when he's looking at her there is again there is that same hurt that betrayal bubbling mm. up there is anger because how could you do this to me mm. but all of that in the moment still does not wash away the love that he has for her and you know he's also struggling with the emotion part of him is angry but he's like you know all we'll we'll figure this out but you you can't die like, yeah. let me save you first and then we'll so- see how to sort this situation out and for her is the other way she's like i don't want to sort the situation out i'd rather die and yeah. the conflict of these two just plays out and because it's underwater hmm. they're not saying these things to each other of course it's, it's, it's just such brilliant that they're doing all of this just with their eyes no yeah. just with their eyes you can see all of these 
all of these lines of dialogue so to speak hmm. being passed back and forth just with the glances that they're sharing i'm just like i was just like dude this is this level of intricacy this level of performance i have never seen in a bond film you don't have an audience invested to this degree uh, as to what happens between bond and another character emotionally speaking yes mm-hmm. you might be invested in hey will bond make it out of this how will he make it out but it's never like what is he feeling how am i feeling watching this happen i have never felt that way in a bond movie before which is why like i remember have obviously even by that point in the movie i already loved casino royale for a number of reasons but this tragic ending while you know in a way it does suck that this happened mm. but it kind of sealed the deal for me in the sense that i was like okay dude like this is a masterpiece because this has made me view james bond in a way i have never viewed him before yeah it was um the sheer despair with how that that james james is trying to like open the the, the shutter with you know there's anger there's fury and like and there's the fear of loss and when he does eventually yes. get her out she like she's gone like she's already this thing and um uh, talking about emoting and like delivering like lines uh del- delivering emotion right so he pulls her out of the water and he like performs cpr on her and he he fails and then he pulls pushes back and he's furious like you can you can see how angry he is and um with with what's happened then he looks at her again and then he just bursts into tears and you can see him really like this is one of the first few times bond cries he cries and then he then it cuts to a wide shot of him holding her in his arms and and weeping and moving back and forth and mr white is watching all of this unfold from a vantage point uh and and he walks away and stuff like this that that scene where he's like that particular scene where he's holding her in arms and in his arms and he's crying it's it's really hard to watch because you're just like oh like this is he he kind of resigns we didn't, we didn't spark to speak about this he resigns from mi6 gives it up all away for this girl and uh then he's like it's it's a real hammer blow that uh, to the chest which kind of explains why he he's the way he is why he's so stone cold why he never lets anybody in because this is the kind of hurt yeah. that um you know that that he has had to go through in his past because the one time he truly loved someone was the one time they um he, he was fully betrayed so he doesn't want to the transience any- of his profession really hits home like i, I you're you're a spy people are going to die in this profession it doesn't yeah. really make sense sad as it may sound it doesn't make sense to get attached to anyone i think that is the lesson he learns and that they, they could betray you they could die there, there are numerous reasons to not trust anyone or let anyone in so um he's then told right after this by by m that her boyfriend was kidnapped and they were blackmailing her Yeah. um and the only reason that bond got out alive from out of that room was because vesper traded the money for his life and at this point bond is shut down and there's a line from the book yeah, he also, sort of rejects that information yeah. he's just like you know what it could be but i don't want to go down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. i am not just going to treat this as a business because you know madness lies that way so to speak like you're right he just shuts mm-hmm. down he's like Okay, whatever. I don't care. Let's just do the job. There's there's a line. He says the job is done and the bitch is dead. So yeah, which and um and which you and, know, you know. Mm. I mean, heart of hearts, you know, that's not how he feels. He's forcing mm. himself to shut that part of him out, and in in that way, it's a template for how he is. It's going a coping to be mechanism, and, you know. Yeah, it's a, exactly. It's, and like you said, it's it's a foreshadowing of the bond that we see where. which is the slick bond right everything mm. slides it's like water off a duck's back mm. nothing affects him you realize this is pre all of that happening this is mm. where he's learned that lesson this is I the i mean although the rest of the bond movies it's not like he he becomes a stone cold person down mm. like inspector etc you see that that's not the case mm. but uh, outside of daniel craig for the character of bond this is a very big yeah. learning or teachable moment where it's like hey this like is why a- you need to be the way you are like in no time to die he visits her grave lesbian's grave and he says i miss you and um which is a really nice touch because uh, even in the books he is supposed to have visited lesbian's grave repeatedly um but 
now that I mean, we've spoken, we've said all that there is to say about Vesper. But let's kind of end this movie because it's now it comes back to Mr. White entering this little villa. And he gets a call and in the end he says, Mr. White, we need to talk. And Vesper as a parting gift or other, just, just before she leaves, she gives him Mr. White's number. Uh, and mm. then uh, he gets shot in the leg, Mr. White. And then you see um, Daniel Craig in a, in a three-piece suit walk out with a gun in hand and says, the name's Bond, James Bond. And it cuts to credits. And my last point <laughs> in my notes is, what a fucking film. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, like, uh, I also like the fact that, again, given the theme of reinvention and given the mm. theme of, hey, we're doing things differently with Daniel Craig, they, even in terms of those typical Bond conventions, you know, throughout the movie, you, you sort of expect, you know, in every Bond movie, he's going to say the name is Bond, James Bond. And he's mm. never done that till the end. It's like, bro, didn't they, they didn't say yeah. the line. It's like literally the last scene of the movie and they're like, oh, they got mm. us. Even the whole shaken and stirred, they don't really do it. There's this part, yeah. I think this is right after he loses the money and he asks yeah. for a drink, the bartender asks, shaken or stirred. Instead of saying shaken, not study, like, dude, does it look like I give a damn? Hmm. Like, wow, dude, they, that's like a big convention to break. So, again, this ties back to the theme of, hey, we're doing things differently. Like, you know, so, expectations subverted again. You know, we, we're not yeah. going to do what you expect us to do. So, yeah, I mean, also, I feel uh, this is this is the point in the film and this is also sort of laying the groundwork for the next at least one or two films. Definitely mm. Quantum of Solace, if not also Skyfall, where mm. you see Bond has now adopted this suave avatar, mm. but it's not like he's emotionless. I feel at, at least for the next movie, movie and a half, he's just driven by this white hot anger for, you know, what transpired with Vesper and he's like, you know what, I'm going to fuck everyone up who had even anything remotely to do with her death. I think in Quantum of Solace is, yeah. the plot. Yeah. in Quantum of Solace is, is pure white fury. And I think that movie suffers because it was written during the writer's strike, much like we are in, much like uh, there's a strike going on right now. And um, even, I'm, it's, not my, it's probably my, no, it's my second least favorite Bond film by, by, by Daniel Craig. And it's still, the emotional beats still do hit. And he's just, throughout that um, film, the only time he ever opens up is when he's drinking a bunch of uh, martinis, a bunch of Vespas on the flight. That's the only time he really opens up in that movie. Because otherwise, he's just, like you said, like a stone-cold, uh, suave personality who's on this path of vengeance, which mm. they kind of put to bed in no time to die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in that sense, again, I feel no time to die. Gives a nice resolution. You know what? He's at peace with himself. He's yeah. he's ha- he's going out on his own terms. He's happy. It's fine. Yeah. There's there's none of that anger. It's I I'm I'm this was my lot in life, and it's okay. Mm, yeah, so, yeah. I, I guess, and I I like the fact that to a degree, the the Bond set of the Daniel Craig set of films had their own contained storyline. Yes. Otherwise, Bond films are always standalone pieces, right? Mm. They're like, okay, the character is the constant. Or M and Bond and whatever, a set of characters are the constant, but mm. every setting is different. So it's really hard for you to, what do I say, dig your teeth or sink your teeth into the dramatic heft of whatever little dramatic heft is there. It's really mm. hard for you to sink your teeth into it. Given this, there is a sort of overarching theme for the Daniel Craig set of films hmm. and it's a continuation. You're watching the same person's life over say whatever, eight, 10 years. Yeah. It's not this person just being transplanted into different situations hmm. makes the whole, like I would now want to watch Quantum of Solace and all. I would want to watch the whole set of movies maybe at some point in one go because I know there is a larger story being told here or exactly. a larger theme being landed and you're just like, hey, it makes the movie watching experience a little bit more rewarding than otherwise it would, uh, it would have been. Yeah. But that's Casino Royale. Um, hmm. For those of you who haven't watched it, please do. It is, in our opinion, the best Bond film. Yeah. Skyfall is a close second, I would say. There are, hmm. there are. I mean, Thunderball and all is really good. No, but no, but I still maintain Casino Royale is the best Bond film. Yeah. It is, it is Bond at 
his most human at his most vulnerable probably the best acted bond because even in terms of acting chops i would say daniel craig is head and shoulders above the other bonds that have he had a lot more to do as well bond. from an emotion emoting yeah. perspective he had a lot more to do and he really does it well he was a more capable actor who was also given a lot more opportunity to showcase his capability mm. let's yeah. put it that way so uh great music great great acting from everyone across the board eva green is just i mean you can keep looking at her for days ditto for a shout out Craig. to uh, to david arnold and the vespa team <laughs> not just like even the team that accompanies vespa also is absolutely phenomenal like it's like a the mode yes. that plays in most part in most of the pieces in this film as well as you know my name but right. uh, vespa's team is more haunting and uh, again a great turn as a bond villain by lashif i mean there's really very little to i don't think there's anything to dislike about the movie per se yeah uh, other than the fact that it got a lot of us unnecessarily playing poker and losing money that we shouldn't have <laughs> uh, that is probably the only downside of casino royale in my life but other mm-hmm. than that i i love this movie to bits yeah i do too i i feel like i just watched rewatched it yesterday and i i'm sure there's another rewatch um a couple of months down the line waiting to happen as well If you haven't seen it like Rohit said you have to go watch it it's it's a great bond film and even if you're not looking for something deep um and meaningful it still has it still, it still is a very entertaining spectacle like I don't think for a second you get bored in this film go check it out if you haven't I'm pretty sure yeah. like unless you've been living under a rock I'm pretty sure you've seen this movie um it's um it's not just a great bond movie it's a great movie yeah exactly mm-hmm. and yeah that's us on this week's episode we will see you uh next week until then uh, take care and thanks for thanks for tuning in so they opened their big mouths and now came talk 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 frankly my dear i don't give a damn Good afternoon, good evening and good night.